The Sons of Liberty is a politically neutral organization. We believe that the Judeo-Christian ethic has provided the principles upon which this nation was founded. It is our belief that these principles provide not only the foundation and framework for American government and society, but are also essential to the maintenance of a fair and just society. All program content is based on a Christian biblical worldview. One of you said to me recently that we shouldn't rock the boat. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you that I am a boat rocker. Good morning, America. Welcome, Christians, conservatives, constitutionalists, libertarians, communists, Islamists, LGBTQ, RSTV, WXYZ people, and anybody else I may have missed to the Sons of Liberty radio show here on Red State Talk Radio. I'm your host, Tim Brown, coming to you live from the U.S. occupied state of South Carolina. And I'm also the editor at SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. For our Muslim friends, I'm the infidel that Allah warned you about. I hold to the book, the Bible, as the authoritative word of God. Glad that you guys have joined us here for Rotten of the Core Wednesday with the Common Core Diva, Lynn Taylor. We're going to bring Lynn on in just a moment. Before we do, please check us out online, sonsoflibertyradio.com and sonsoflibertymedia.com. In fact, if you want to watch the video portion of the show, you're listening by radio, uh, you'd like to watch the video portion, you can do that at sonsoflibertymedia.com. Just scroll down there on the right, you'll see the uh, video going. You can enlarge that, and you can see the face that's made for radio and one that isn't. And um, you can also check that out on our Twitter account at FPPTM, FPPTM on Twitter. That's tied to our Periscope account, which is Setting Brush Fires. I'm unable to change it off onto the Sons of Liberty. This was the previous show that I was on, so you can get that from Periscope there. Our Facebook page is Bradley Dean SOL. Our YouTube channel is B. Dean Sons of Liberty. Beforeitsnews.com, we're there every weekday morning at 6 a.m. and Saturdays at 8 a.m. And then Bradley's on at 3 p.m. Eastern. These are Eastern times I'm giving. He's in the Central Standard Time. But he's on at 3 p.m. Monday through Saturday on there. On beforeitsnews.com, we appreciate Michael Roach giving us a spot there. And then dlive.tv at the Sons of Liberty, dlive.tv at the Sons of Liberty. We appreciate you guys joining us too, uh, several people in the chat who, who came on from there, and we appreciate your support as well. Also, you can check us out at Spreely Gab, MeWe Minds, and USA.life under Sons of Liberty and Sons of Liberty Media. And um, if you want to call into the show, uh, you can stick to the topic that we'd appreciate that. We don't do Chinese buffet. We don't have like open line, I don't know what day, Wednesday <laughs> or Friday or anything. We try to keep it to um, comments or questions about whatever we're talking about. And we welcome your call. Uh, even yesterday, look, I mean, there was somebody that called in. They're a pagan. I, I took their call. Uh, I tried to be respectful. Of course, they wouldn't be respectful to me and let me respond. So, But I will be respectful to you. Um, call in uh, with your question or your comment. Uh, about the topic, 215-TOP-TALK, 215-867-8255. For those who are watching my video, that number stays up uh, during the show when I'm on in the bottom right hand of the corner. Now, there's several things that, um, well, there's at least one thing I want to speak about real quickly before I bring Lynn on. And that is this. Um, you know, th- much has been made on both sides of the political aisle about Donald Trump holding up his Bible, which doesn't look like it's been read. I doubt he's even cracked it open. Uh, and you all remember when he was asked about repentance and forgiveness, 
he said the exact opposite of what the gospel said. And when he was asked about his favorite Bible verse, he didn't have one. Then he was asked again, and he gave something that wasn't even in the Bible. You know, dictators in history have done this, too. Hitler held up his Bible, too. He was baptized in the Roman church. That does not make one a Christian, okay? Just letting you know, it doesn't make one a Christian. Don't be deceived by the props and the actors and how they're using things. I mean, it only took, what, his administration up to this week to talk about churches are essential, right? It's an election year. Um, wait till the last moment. Use that as a pitch. Got to get some votes in there, right? And all of this, and all these states were following his lead with this national state of emergency, which is unconstitutional. It's not in your constitution um, that a president has that kind of power. It just isn't there. And you've got to you've got to be aware of that. And so some people have said, well, are you you know one guy brought up the picture of Hitler with his with his Bible too, and they said, are you trying to compare Trump with Hitler? I don't think that that's what he was trying to do. What he was trying to do was say people have done this in the past who didn't believe the words in the book probably because they didn't know the words in the book. And um, with that said, remember that Hitler, as a national socialist, was fighting against communists, or allegedly fighting against communists. And what do we have today? Well, we've got a guy that says, you know, he's, he's against socialism, he's against Marxism, and then he signs a 4 to 2, or excuse me, 2.2 to $6.2 trillion stimulus bill. Hmm, how's that for socialism? So you've got to keep these things in mind. And when we go to this issue here that we go to on Wednesdays of education, indoctrination in the public schools. It is pushing a communist agenda. And we're going to show you that. And here to help me do that is none other than our Common Core diva, Lynn Taylor. Good morning, Lynn. Oh, hello there. <laughs> hello. Um, now, you've got um, a, a couple of new articles out since last week. And we're going to hit a lot of stuff. We're even going to take on a video here from 2017, um, mm -hmm. from the New York Branch Workers World Party. Uh, I'm not sure how you pronounce the lady's name. Taryn Fivik is what it looks like. And we're going to hit that in just a little bit. So, people, you don't want to miss this. This is United States 2017. You don't want to miss the information Lynn's got. Lynn, what do you got in store for us today? Okay. Well, with all the chaos that is going on, I don't know how closely listeners and watchers follow the Supreme Court, but the Supreme Court of the United States is expected to any time now, between now and late June, to hand down a decision on a case that is uh, known as Espinanzo versus the Montana Department of Revenue. And what this is centering on, Tim, is... Um, tax credits towards being able to use uh, your money for education expenses, okay? Now, this happens to go into Blaine Amendments, and Blaine Amendments are not in all 50 states. I think we have like 35 or 37 states have some form, uh, excuse me, it's 39 states. They have some form of a Blaine, and what a Blaine does is it divides uh, separation between schools and religion, and so the argument is this one the, this one family and then several others have joined in the lawsuit as well. They want to be able to use their education savings account tax credits to be able to provide for their children a program they chose that had a religious bent to it. And the state is saying, no, you can't do that because 
the money can't go to anything that supports religious activity. Well, that's why it's before the Supreme Court. Now, this case is really old. Uh, it's not really old, but it's it's not brand new either. It's been on the, it's been through the court system quite a bit, and so this is supposed to finally decide. And what is so dangerous about this? is it's going to set a national precedent for education savings accounts. Now, Tim, you and I have gone over the the carrot on the stick that is full of poison that these education savings accounts are about, and yet we're going to have a Supreme Court decision either prop it up or deny it. And one of the people who sits on that Supreme Court bench is Justice Kavanaugh, and Kavanaugh is the education savings account poster child for Jeb Bush, for um, Bill Gates, for all those idiots who are in this this quest to just really dumb down not just public education, but education and everything that goes with it, which includes jobs. Yeah, and we've talked about that, uh, the public-private partnerships, the fascism that's involved in this. This is being pushed out of this administration, too, by both Donald Trump Betsy DeVos, uh, Trump's wife Melania, and his daughter uh, Ivanka, and we've we've made the we've made the ties in there as to what's going on, and it's being pushed by every Democrat that we know running for president, um, and it's being pushed by some Republicans who are running for president as well, and so this is something that people have to keep their eye on because the one thing this is where everything comes down to. People have I still don't when they hear education they go. You know, they yawn about it because they go, this is a boring topic. Tell me something about, oh, there's another investigation opening that isn't going to render anything. Or tell me something about the latest, you know, whatever in the political junkie mindset instead of the thing that's ensnaring the next generation. And that is through this indoctrination measures uh, that they're that they're pushing, which are unconstitutional. Uh, The Ninth and Tenth Amendment are very clear. If we didn't enumerate it, if we didn't give power to the feds to deal in this issue, they shouldn't be writing. In fact, they should be considered traitors as far as I'm concerned because they're leading our children astray uh, with their proposals in the, the area of education. They should be considered that. Now, how, how, is, this, how is this going to be tied into the things that you wrote about this week? Okay, because it's still propping up the fallacy of school choice. And, you know, we've talked about that, too. That is such a fallacy due to the Every Student Succeeds Act on page 17, where it says, and you can sing along with me, Tim, all education must be aligned to the same post-secondary readiness standards as laid out in the Workforce Innovation and Opportunity Act. And so when you have a justice who is you know, the poster boy for education savings accounts, which is a tool for school choice, and you really don't have school choice, you've got a Supreme Court that's going to take um, a decision that's based off of a lie that is in a mandate for a bill that um, that was turned into a law that should never have been honored because it's egregious to the uh, Constitution, and they're going to rule on it. So you're going to have a, a constitutionally held branch of government rule on an unconstitutional activity and there's a big problem with that well yeah there is because the the um the courts are to are supposed to look at the law and then interpret that law and so if you go to the constitution which i got to tell you it's amazing to me to read some of the the court opinions 
because what they do is they never they never actually go to the Constitution and say, you know what, we can't find this anywhere in the Constitution. What they do is they'll kind of go, oh, you know, something about the First Amendment, but they never cite it. And then they jump, you know, hundreds of years into the future. They pick a case or they they pick a law that's been written and they they uphold it by that and say, well, this is constitutional. And it's like, how do you determine something is constitutional when you haven't derived it from the Constitution itself? But we've been on this road for a long time with this whole idea of case law and junk like that, rather than actually sticking to what the Constitution says. Right. Right. Now, have you shown the picture with Kavanaugh's um, face in it, where it says bans on public funding for religious schools? Um, I have not, but I will, and I'll bring that up right now. All right. Why don't you show? Why don't you show everybody that? That's because up. That's got. Yep, that's got a um, nice big headline because you know he was raised Catholic and he's now saying, "Oh, this is you know an attack on the Catholics." Well. That's picking up why the Blaine law, uh, the Blaine amendments were even created because it was supposed to stop uh, the immigration of uh, the mass immigration of Catholics back in the 1800s from being able to have their uh, type of education because they were figuring, okay, you've come to America, you need to have American type of education, and so that's why all that was was even on the books. But if you look at the stuff in the red. And this is from the NEA, the National Education Association, and we know they're on the, the side of ruining education. But if you look at their timeline, look at the activities they were able to find on Kavanaugh and how much it ties to the, court, uh, to the case that is now in the Supreme Court. You've got school choice champ for the, um, at the Federalist Society because they're all about, you know, choice. Uh, he defended Jeb Bush in Florida over school vouchers. Uh, he lost that case, but, you know, Jeb Bush is now still pu- uh, pushing school choice with the yellow scarves and National School Choice Week. And, oh, yeah, Homeschool Legal Defense Association has proudly uh, latched on to that because, after all, parents need to decide. All right. Um, he has worked with President Bush to usher in the first federal school vouchers for D.C. children. And to this day, no matter if you're a Republican or a Democrat, that program is still funded at a federal level. And then we have, in 2008, I believe it is, Kavanaugh issued a court decision in relation to constitutionality of vouchers in education. Right. And so people, look, this was something that we we warned people about when uh, Trump nominated this guy. Now, many of you remember and don't tell, don't tell me about Trump hating or Kavanaugh hating. You remember, I defended Kavanaugh against the accusations that were made against him because, one, it was a diversion from what should have been done. Two, it was a ploy to get conservatives on his side who knew better or should have known better to get him on his side to say, well, if, if, they, if, we don't, if the Senate doesn't confirm this guy, it will allow – um, these people to have won based on this thing here. No, it, the confirmation was supposed to be about his character and about how he conducted himself on the bench. This right here was enough, not to mention his involvement with the Vince Foster case uh, and the whole cover-up in that mess um, and some other things that were problematic. And uh, and then it was it was a push to get the guy in into into the the. Supreme Court. That's what that was. So these things that you're pointing out, these things were stuff that we, we have known. Um, mm-hmm. But it, it, again, it goes to the issue of are we having constitutional judges in there? They can claim they're conservative all they want. 
And what did we just get with the with the conservative majority of the Supreme Court um, this past week regarding the church that's wanting to deal with California? Oh, churches, you're out. You, you don't have any right to be doing what you're doing. You need to you need to obey the tyrant. That's what we got from conservatives. We got Obamacare from conservative majority Supreme Court. We got Roe v. Wade from a conservative majority Supreme Court. And I'm sitting, you go, well, do you want a liberal one? No, but I, what I'm saying is there doesn't seem to be much difference to tell, you, to tell you the truth when it all pans out, at least from my viewpoint, you don't, you're not seeing a lot of difference on some major issues here, Lynn. Right. Well, if you show the little penguins, and you'll need to enlarge that for folks, because, you know, I know sometimes the images, when I put them in, they look large, and then I hear, well, you know, I really can't see it. So that is from Twitter, and this, again, was the yellow scarves of Jeb Bush in his, uh, you know, school choice week. And on each penguin, I have a different type of education choice, and then we link it back to page 17. That one visual, Tim, will level any person who believes, uh, including our politicians, that there simply is still school choice, because no, there's not, okay? So people can take that and share that, uh, especially in this election year, because, you know, I had, um, I put out a, a, a Facebook message yesterday about the massive amount of federal funds that North Carolina has just received, and they're going to make these 21st century community learning centers. And we've talked about those, too. That's that where they turn the school into a hub and have all the different services. And I had one person say, oh, well, I hope that one of the candidates for the Department of Public Instruction shows up because she'll be able to bring some truth to this particular meeting. And I wrote back and I said no, because her school, which is Western Carolina University, is set to get $400,000, I believe it is, to help create a 21st century community learning center. And the person comes back, oh, well, you know, she's all about parents and school choice. And I said, that's the problem. She does not know that on page 17, this is what happens, and the conversation stopped right there. So obviously the person wasn't interested in the truth. They just wanted to promote their candidate. So, yeah, that would be good. Now, one last thing before we move on to the other um, really big article that I have is I think I sent you the link for the Guardian and Open Secrets article. And Open Secrets is a go-to website for me uh, because it's wonderful in showing the money trail that our candidates and those who are in leadership have. And they worked together, and they found a dark money trail for groups who pushed to have Brett Kavanaugh as one of the top picks for the Supreme Court. And where does the money trail lead you? The Koch brothers. And the Koch brothers are, and I think I'm saying their name right, but anyway, we know but, uh, from an education standpoint, they are one of the biggest parts of this uh, dumbing down and common core machine, uh, educational to workforce pipeline traders that we have. Yeah, and they're pushed as a, a very conservative uh, kind of guys. I mean, that's, that's the way they're presented. Of course, we do know different, but yeah, this is kind of interesting. I had not heard I had not heard of this, so we're going to have this link up for people to check out as well. And I know Guardian is sort of left-leaning. I get all that. That doesn't mean that the information necessarily sometimes is wrong. And they've obviously done their homework here as to who's giving what kind of money and what they're doing here. So <clears throat> that doesn't mean that what they're presenting here is false. 
And people need you, you. They have to get over the right left paradigm thing uh, as to to how. And I just said left leaning. So I look. I'm having to learn to get rid of stuff like that too. There are people. There are <laughs> there are American. There are un-American. They are lawful. They are lawless. That's kind of how I like to play. I really like to play things. And in this in this article that you've presented here from the Guardian. Uh, and again, we'll have this link up so people can do their own homework. You know, you're listening to us. You may disagree with us or whatever, but go do your own homework and come to your own conclusion. That's what we encourage people to do here. Right, right. And uh, I encourage folks to go back and read that article because there are quite a few resources in there that will tell both sides of the story. And we have the uh, Senate Bill 1425 from Senator Rand Paul, and it's going to amend the IRS tax code for these education savings accounts. And one of the things about it that's so dangerous is that it's opening up Pandora's box to cover the um, COVID digital at home education. So, uh, yeah, we really need to be watching about that one as well and contacting your congressmen and women and saying, you know, we don't need to keep amending the tax code for education because what they're doing, Tim, is they're baiting the carrot even more. And um, it, it just... We don't need it. We just don't need it. No, I completely agree. I completely agree. Now, there's um, we've been talking that the fact of the matter is all of this is geared toward a specific agenda, a specific goal. It's un-American. And what is that goal, Lynn? What what are they trying to lead America and her children towards? What, what, what's what's your view on the goal that they're leading them towards? Uh, barely educated workforce drones, and we've seen that play down through history, which is a wonderful segue into our my latest one, which is, um, I titled it, uh, Crisis Alignment Urgent News, because this is absolutely very urgent, because we've got a crisis where we're seeing small business after small business close and not be able to open back up. And we see these large corporations who are in on the education indoctrination in the Common Core uh, machine, and they're still open, and they're absorbing more and more workers. How many have you seen that are saying, oh, yes, we're hiring, and we're, what are they, who are they hiring? Those who have been either furloughed, let go, or those small business owners who cannot keep their stores open. And so this, the question that was posed to me, and this was an article that was done out of a special request, was, is there a relation between the small businesses shutting down, the COVID crisis, and the USMCA, which is the U.S.-Mexico-Canada Agreement? And I'm thinking, well, hmm. Yeah, there is. And that's what this particular article is. So there's quite a bit to this article as well. And I linked for you every single article that I have on the USMCA and how it is um, really ruining education and making it so that it is a job, skill, training institution, not an academic place where you go to grow your mind. And we're seeing this play out in after-school programs. We're seeing this play out in apprenticeships, in internships. We're seeing this play out in um, the skill-based higher education institutions. We're seeing this play out in, you know, re-education for those criminals who've been put back into society or our veterans. We've seen this, uh, you know, go after the homeschoolers because, after all, they've got a lot of 
time so they can, you know, go in and take these free courses and, you know, at the community college and they can go ahead and get a jump on a job. So that's exactly what what the premise is here is that we're seeing this particular crisis really pump up and 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 increase the alignment to this global workforce. And speaking of the global workforce, would this be a good time to bring in this video? Or do we want Absolutely, to wait on it? Absolutely, yes. All right. This yes, is a, let's this, go ahead and do that. Okay. This is a video. This is from November uh, of 2017. At least that's when it was, <clears throat> excuse me, posted by the Workers' World Party. Okay. Now, this is, this is communism. This is what this is. And um, the person speaking, their name is Taryn uh, Fivek, F-I-V-E-K, if I pronounce that wrong, I apologize, from the New York branch of the Workers' World Party. And uh, we're going to give her a go here. And um, it runs about six minutes. But just pay attention to what she says, folks. Here she goes. 100 years of global revolution, celebrating the resistance legacies to capitalism, imperialism, and white supremacy. So here we go. It's been a wild year for everyone. We started off seeing thousands in the streets for January 20th, when that monster Trump was sworn in as President of the United States. But what has followed has been a historic year of fight back. Starting with J20, when protesters militantly raised the banner of anti-racism, anti-imperialism, and anti-capitalism, we have seen our class take the streets again and again to try and push back whatever avalanche of terror this regime sends our way. And while our presence in the streets has been militant, immediate, and vanguard-like in its formation, it has not stopped the response of the state, which has likewise been forceful. More than 200 protesters were kettled and arrested on J20. They are facing up to 80 years in jail on felony riot charges. Comrades and friends from Jacksonville to New York were beaten and arrested for insisting that the U.S. must keep its filthy, blood-stained hands off of Syria. We experienced bricks thrown, hammers falling on us, gassed. We watched a murder happen in Charlottesville. And I remember sitting on the B-38 bus crying as I watched my comrades arrested in Durham for their heroism. I remember hearing them chant as they were led away in handcuffs. My heart was heavy with pride and love. And now I see that the ruling class wants to accuse me and my people of being puppets. They are reviving the old red-baiting tactics of the 50s, insisting that nobody has anything to complain about in a settler colony founded on genocide and slavery. It must be bankrolled by Russia, right? Our class struggles against gentrification, poverty, addiction, incarceration, the racist cops, and sometimes, sometimes things seem to be getting harder and harder. But in the depths of this, so deep in the belly of the beast, what gives us hope? As revolutionaries, we know that we will win. Revolutionary optimism is looking at the world around us and knowing for sure that this can't continue indefinitely. We know that everything in this world is in a constant process of change and that this can't continue forever like this. It's just science. But when we stand in the streets and chant, I believe that we will win, we're chanting with hope. It's a feeling in your chest, that dizzy love for our class. So in spite of all this pain, what makes someone in 2017 feel a deep sense of pride and love in the revolution that took place in Russia 100 years ago this year? It was not the first revolution where oppressed people threw off their chains, and it certainly wasn't the last. 
The challenges we face seem gargantuan, but our class has faced all this and more and achieved real victories. Our battles won and incredible odds surmounted give us hope. We have no choice but to succeed. It's not socialism or barbarism anymore. It's socialism or death, my comrades. When we talk about the Russian Revolution or the Haitian Revolution, the incredible Vietnamese victory against US imperialism, Mao winning after decades of struggle, Fidel arriving in Havana victorious, Listen the to Soviet this. flag hoisted over the Reichstag during the liberation of Berlin, we are talking about family history. Family communist history. In Russia, the peasantry and working class were hardly literate and lived in the most squalid of conditions. They were in the middle of what was then uh, the bloodiest uh, war in all Pam, European right history. There. Okay, hang on uh, a with second. With youth after youth being... Okay. Okay, go ahead. Okay, did you hear the working class was what? Barely uh, educated. Yeah, barely educated. That's good. what we're mm-hmm. seeing. Play. Yeah. No, okay, and, go ahead. Yeah, and there's, and there's another thing, too, that, I, that I, you know, I'm seeing here. Notice how she goes back at people, and she points back to the dictators of the past, the communist dictators of the past. They Look, <clears throat> in every one of these cases, they lie to the people, promising them liberty and freedom, and then what they do is they enslave them in communism. A hundred years ago in Russia, it wasn't to free the people, it was to enslave them. And Fidel told them, oh, we're going to be free. And what did he do? He enslaved the people. The same thing happened with Mao. Right. The same thing happened in Vietnam. The, th- the stuff she's talking about, she is a historical moron. Either she doesn't know or she knows and she's lying. It's one or the other. But she is promoting something. Okay. Somebody said she was very evil and dangerous. So let's let's finish up. we got just a, a couple of minutes left yeah. of this. Right. Sent okay. to the front yeah, to die, to the most the undignified and useless of deaths. There were no laws to protect people's right to assemble, their freedom of speech. So then how did we win the sweetest of victories in 1917? It's because they were organized. They were a tightly disciplined and yet totally adaptive organization, a Leninist party, led by the best and brightest of the working class and oppressed. They smashed through whatever the ruling class put in their path because the Soviet Union was a revolution whose time had come. The people had no choice but to get organized. By raising the banner of peace, land, and bread through tireless militant effort and organizing, the Bolsheviks helped deliver a force to the world that would defeat Nazi Germany and, by its very nature, enforce a balance of power that resulted in peaceful development and progressive gains throughout the world. It's only through organization that we can accomplish our most necessary task, smashing white supremacy, abolishing capitalism, and the immediate implementation of socialism. No one else will do this. It really is up to us. The implementation of socialism. They've been telling me that socialism is dead since the collapse of the Soviet Union, but we've seen quite clearly in 2017 that the very idea, the very mention of socialism still invigorates our class and strikes terror into the hearts of our enemies. We must take ourselves because and our we know it's seriously. history and it's the incredible growth of our party in this phase is a vindication and affirmation of our line. Every new candidate, every new friend is a vote of confidence from our class. I look at the incredible caliber of my comrades who have been in this struggle for decades or just a few months and I feel confidence. I look at the hundreds of thousands who have taken to the streets against white supremacy with love and hope. On the anniversary of the centennial of the Russian Revolution, looking at their conditions and ours, I believe we are again coming up on a turning point in history. The fight back in the 60s and 70s had the anti-war and anti-racist components, but not the economic crisis. Today. 
In 2017, we have all three. The system is becoming more and more exposed. As comrade Larry Holmes said at the last conference, this Trump presidency has really ripped the mask off capitalism. The youth is at a record with its distrust and hatred of this death machine. We may indeed have the opportunity to avenge Fred Hampton, but only if we organize to build a revolutionary combat-ready party. The future is ours to win. Well, I have news. Um, there is a future that they could win here in America. That is, that is possible. But in the end, the Lord Jesus Christ is the winner. This was our foundation. It was not genocide. Uh, the lady is lying through her teeth or ignorant, as I said. She's... Calling, she's a white person calling against white supremacism. Now, look, I'm against white supremacism just as I am black supremacism or uh, Asian supremacism or any of this stuff. <clears throat> as I said yesterday, we are all one blood. Uh, the book of Acts tells us that, that that's how God created us. And our um, society was built upon the foundations of the Bible. People, those of you listening who don't think religion matters, it matters to the uttermost. We cited, and it's on the, the, um, the Liberty Bell, Leviticus 25.10, proclaim liberty throughout all the land and to all the inhabitants thereof. Why? Because of the law. The law is the, is the thing that is supposed to guard um, the, the liberties that we have and the enforcement of that, which we call justice. And that's the thing that we've left off in this country. There are things that I hear the lady say, look, everybody would like for there not to be war. I mean, I'm anti-unconstitutional wars. I am. I'm all for defense of our country. Uh, I, I really am. But this stuff of just going into countries and taking over stuff and in Syria, I w you know, I was against all of that. Uh, Yemen, all this other stuff. Now we're looking to sell more um, weapons to Saudi Arabia so they can continue their stuff against Yemen. All, I'm against all of that. So there, there are some things that are truthful in what she's saying. But this idea of trying to overthrow what we established hundreds of years ago, not just 240 years ago with the Constitution, but hundreds of years before that. I go back even to the Mayflower Compact when we first came. The advancement of the kingdom and for the glory of God. That's what we established societal uh, and civil government on was that, those principles. Not communist principles. And the lady who's talking here, most of you picked up on it in the chat room. I mean, this is really dangerous for people to adhere to because it, it comes, with, comes with that are actions. It's not just words they're saying. There's going to be action that follows, and she told you some of those actions that the people were involved in. Lynn? Um, just to point out, um, the lady is an economic professor, if that tells you anything, her parents were key in the uh, early days of the CNN network. That should tell you quite a bit. Uh, she is a go-to lecturer for um, USA Economy. And when she said that we have all three, now remember, this was 2017, that they had all three big fronts. If you don't think what we're going through now is a big economic crunch, it really is. And if you'll show the image that... Um, Oh, goodness, it's the one that has the green, and um, it's got the, the scale on it, and it says um, food, arts, education, that sort of thing. That particular uh, image is the confidence that the small business people in America have that they'll ever get to reopen. And if you look, education money is there, but so is health care, so is technology, so is 
almost everything that we come in contact with. Land, that would be your farmers. And what's going to happen to it? Well, the USMCA has it so that um, every facet of our life is going to be decided by a commission that is made up of not just Americans, but people from Canada, people from Mexico, and it's very vague about what other nations would come in and help decide what happens to um, our particular uh, setup as as we've had it in America for eons. But anyway, the point of it is, so you've got un-Americans who are making American decisions, and this is coming at our very economy, all right? Now, let's take that and see what they're doing in education. And if you'll switch over to the uh, image of the child that's uh, red and black in the back. And you need to blow that one up for folks. Yep, got that. Okay. This is a program that's popping up in at least two states, but you might want to check your state. Uh, the places I found it was in Texas and in Kansas, and it's called HYPE. And it's helping your youth to prepare for empl employment. All right? This is what's going on in schools, and these are open to the community. This is another way that it wraps back around to those 21st century community learning centers is that, you know, it's that one-stop place that you go for all your services that are connected into your family. But if you look at that particular image, you're going to see job uh, references in there. Oh, goodness, I think it is 11 times I have it on there. Yeah, it's going to be 11 times. I believe it is. Yeah, shout-outs for job. Soft skills, all right, that is near the child's head. That is the social and emotional learning component, and that is key to all this, Tim, because that is what attacks the child's attitudes, values, and beliefs. Now, remember, this is not just for public school kids. This is for every American because, like, you know, I listed all the different groups that this workforce shift is affecting. So that's what we're seeing is that the attitudes, values, and beliefs, and then if you go back to that particular uh, video that you just played, the people who were barely educated knew they were oppressed, <clears throat> excuse me, and it wasn't until they were fed up and they, they rose up. Well, we should already be doing that. We should have been doing that uh, 10 years ago when this garbage hit America, but no, we haven't. We've just, you know, let it play out. Hype is in this particular image about seven times. And so we're, we're hyping up the child. We're, we're sitting, sitting there saying, oh, yes, you're going to have school choice and you're going to be able to go do what you want. And, oh, goody, life is great. And then there come the chains. No, that's exactly right. They promise them liberty while they themselves are the slaves of corruption is what Peter talks about, about false teachers. And they're both inside and outside the church, folks. Uh, this is what this lady is talking about. She's saying, oh, we came over. We, we, we broke the oppression of assembly and this, that, and the other. Well, communists were putting that down. They used the law against the law. The people were free at a time in Russia. And then the communists came in, and the thing she's promoting as liberty was slavery. I mean, this is, this is 1984 kind of stuff, doublespeak. I mean, it really is that kind of stuff, Lynn. I uh, I'm just, I was blown yeah. away that somebody would stand in front of a camera in America and just say it so bluntly the way this lady did. It's just incredible. Well, did you notice the people in the background? Yeah. It wasn't just white people. No, there I were know. black people yeah. there. And I think, I think I even saw someone um, of um, different skin color besides the two. But anyway, um, if you'll go back to this image, let's look at this. The hype is a collaborative 
that extends to schools, industries, nonprofits, community centers, and anywhere else college and career readiness can be applied. Well, under Every Student Succeeds Act, Tim, that's going to be every stupid place you go, the museum, the library. And what does that smack of? But if you, you know, go look at... um I think it is Moscow, and all the different statues that are there in different parts of the city, and they're celebrating those who were in this class or in that class, or this was the monument to the worker people. This is exactly what we're seeing, and this is based off of the Every Student Succeeds Act, which I will go back to and say, you know, the Supreme Court is going to make a decision connected to the Every Student Succeeds Act when the Every Student Succeeds Act should not even be on the books. No, I agree. In fact, I'm kind of reminded of uh, what we saw here recently, especially in the UK. Um, You know, we had that thing come out with the 2012 Olympics, their opening ceremony and how that was. I mean, it was it was like this pre-scripted thing to put in the minds of the people, the coronavirus issue. And then they had the dancing um, robotic nurses and stuff. And we've gotten word from Kate Shimarani, who's our health and wellness expert on Saturdays. She's talking about she's been showing the videos where these nurses uh, and doctors in the hospitals of there who are said to be overrun when they're really not uh, with coronavirus. They're dancing. They're doing all this kind of stuff. And then now they have the people going out at night, you know, clapping for this class of people who aren't doing anything special. And what it does is it strokes their ego so that they get more and more on the side of uh, a tyrannical government rather than on the side of the people. And it starts it starts dividing the people in that area too. I think that's that's this is part of what um, socialism, Marxism at its at its fullest. This is what it does. It seeks to divide the people so it can conquer them. Right. Well, now I want to point out one other thing while we still got a, a few minutes, and uh, you can go ahead and put the next image up. It was the former Lenora High School building. Let me know when you have that up. All right, I got it. Okay, this is from Kansas, folks. Next Generation Roundup for Youth Incorporated. Now, I have made an image, and it was in the um, article of Kavanaugh, where you're seeing a child get rounded up, but it's in the form of a, a, a sheep and a cowboy. And that was for the... Um, that was my way of illustrating how deceptive these education savings accounts are. But now we have a, a state that has come up with a collaborative that it's called the Next Generation Roundup for Youth Incorporated. So with it being incorporated, you really can't, you know, get into it too much because it's a public-private partnership. Now, it's fast-tracking the students in the area uh, and early college, uh, excuse me, early college students as well. It's fast-tracking them into the job market. So this is a classic example of where you can say, well, you know, I homeschool. Well, this is going to pull you in as well because what it does is it took a former high school and turned it into a tiny town with all these different services so that the kids could get hand-on training and one of the and I sent the uh, the link is in there it's a PowerPoint presentation but in this particular presentation you're going to see teens who are taking blood from each other for, you know, being a a phlebotomist. Well, okay, if you're trained to do that, but there was not one adult in that classroom 
that was helping lead the child. So, you know, I would be a little concerned about that if it was myself or, or one of my kids going into someone who is, I'm not saying that young people can't do that. That's not my point. My point is we're fast-tracking these kids for jobs, for the economy. That's the whole point, okay? That's the whole point. But look at some of the services that are offered. All right, we have the bank, and that's where the community is supposed to um make all their decisions. So in this case, it would be everyone who's in this particular program, they would have their meeting and they would decide how the town is going to work for the day. You've got a volunteer fire department, emergency services, medical center, uh, patient rooms. Well, I'm sure they've, I'm hoping they, they're up to um, proper health care codes. I really don't know. Newspaper, TV station, you've got all kinds of stuff that is going on and it is channeling these kids through this mock town for nothing but breeding them for economy's sake, not for their own personal pleasure of whatever it is that they want to do with their life. No, I know. And it's kind of interesting because if you go back, oh, I don't know, at least 100 years, probably more than that, when you found education, it wasn't geared toward a specific career. It was a general education uh, which taught people how to learn things. They learned to read, write, and do arithmetic. And um, and from that, they could learn to do whatever they wanted to do, no matter what life threw at them. If they wanted to be a farmer, they could be a farmer. If they wanted to be uh, in politics, right. they could do that. If they wanted to start a business, they could do that. They could switch, you know, in a, in a moment's notice, they could learn to ad- adapt to what they were in. Now we have people... And I've seen this with um, the, uh, the, the the university and college students. You know, they, they talk a lot mm-hmm. about this um, student loan debt. And we have students who go into these colleges, some of them, these Ivy League colleges, stuff like that. They obtain a, a piece of sheepskin that's supposed to get them, you know, it's supposed to deliver them the world. And many of these kids are sixty, a hundred, two hundred thousand dollars in debt. They're having to work three jobs, they're having to move back home with mom and dad just to pay off that, and they can't even get the job that they they went to school for. I mean it, it and, and yeah. here we have most people would look at that and they would say, Okay, well this looks like a community and it does. In the way that they they have, we have all of these these people doing all of these things in the community. But what people aren't understanding, and what you're trying to point out is, the people working the snack shop, they're trained to work the snack shop, and they're not trained how to uh, change and maybe work in the bank area, or work in the TV station, or be a, a, a volunteer fire department person, or an emergency service person. They're trained to do this one thing for the rest of their life, and that's that's what you're trying to point out to people. Right, absolutely. Now, the last thing I want to show everybody, and it was in the email, it was the, um, hang on, it was, ah. <laughs> the AZ Works oh, program? Let's see. Okay, it was the, uh, yeah, the AZ, yeah, that was it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Let's go there, because this is from Arizona, and this will show you that, you know, it's not just Kansas, it's not just Texas, it's, you know, these guys as well. This is in a report for their, and this is from their Department of Labor or Economic Development as well, and it's called Arizona Work. Well, a lot of other states have a whatever your state is and work or works. And if you'll see, in Arizona, it's appointed by the governor, 
and it's for building partnerships for the economic development. So, you know, again, here's that that theme, Tim, uh, that we're seeing repeat. Economics before personality. That's dangerous. Economics before humans. That's you know, awful. Anyway, you can see the funding streams and you're going to see where it says youth and vocational rehabilitation. Then you have the economic security, you have adult education and the Department of Education. And then you have that the state is broken up into 12 local workforce development areas. Now, in those particular areas, Tim, they are massively data mining anyone who is in this particular program or anything that is connected to the program to find out what they're learning and how it relates to the job market for the economy. And they're using a thing called Career Pathways. Well, Career Pathways is tied to the Career Tech Education, which we have said many, many times before. That's Adult Common Core, but we're seeing Adult Common Core in Career Tech Education and the United Nations STEM, which is Science, Technology, Engineering, and Math, be traced backwards into K-12 through education. And again, it's in the community. It's not just at the public school. Right. No, I, I get it. I, I get it that they're they're continuing to indoctrinate the kids and the people would have it. So I think that's Jeremiah. My people would have it. So they would have it so that they are doing the very opposite of what God has said. Somebody in the chat rooms talked about the monitoring your children, and what they learn. Look, I agree with that. We should we should know what they're what they're learning. I, I totally agree. But to turn them over to the state to where we have to un unlearn certain things that they're learning from the state that's godless. I mean, the creator's left completely out. And again, this abandons our history. Uh, and I, I'm thinking over, I think it's Psalm 78, uh, where, where God says this. He says, Give ear, O my people, to my law. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I'll open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old, which we have heard and known, and our fathers have told us. And then he says this, We will not hide them from their children, showing to the generation to come the praises of the Lord and his strength and his wonderful works that he hath done. Not that a, not that a particular political party's done, not a guy wearing a political jersey has done, but what the Lord has done and his strength and his wonderful works that he's done. For he has established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers that they should make them known to their children, that the generation to come might know them even the children which should be born, who should arise and declare them to their children, that they might set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but to keep his commandments. This is the thing that American education has left off. They have left off the history, not just of the Old Testament, not just of the New Testament. They have left off church history they have left off the history of America, how God has intervened in our history over the past four or five hundred years. They've, they've left that completely off. God is not even in the picture. And, you know, God says, if you're going to forget me, then I'm going to forget your children. And folks, I'm telling you right now, that should strike the fear of God in the heart of every parent listening, because our greatest enemy are not the communists, the socialists, the Islamists, the LGBTQ, RSTV, WXYZ people. Our greatest enemy is God. When we forget him, he's going to bring judgment. You're seeing it. You're seeing in your streets. You're, you're seeing in your cities, in the, in the major cities around America now. And you're seeing it coming through to take your kids. This is what Lynn is warning about. It's coming for your kids. Lynn? 
Yep, it absolutely is. And, um, you know, I would encourage everyone to continue to read this particular crisis alignment article because you're going to see how you have over 600 corporations who are in full support of the USMCA, which means we have uh, 600 corporations who are going to, you know, think nothing of uh, robbing our nation of our, our souls. No, I, I completely agree. That, this, is what it's, this is a spiritual battle. People, you need to get that through your heads. This is a spiritual battle. You can deny it all you want, but there are forces working that are invisible, that are working against the people, including you, even if you disagree with me. Maybe you're like um, the, the pagan person who called in yesterday. Even if you disagree with me on these things, they're working against you too. And you, you've got to understand that is the force behind it. You go through the scriptures all the time you're seeing there's a force behind what is physical in authority, uh, especially when it's evil. You go back to Isaiah 11, and you, you hear the reference there to Lucifer. But what's happening is God is speaking to Lucifer, the light bearer. We know him as Satan because uh, it's descriptive. That's what, the, that's what the name means. And he's talking to the king there. Because Lucifer's the power behind the king there. And then we see it in other places. Again, in Daniel, uh, we see where there is war between the angels and the demons. He was, uh, Michael was sent to speak to Daniel, and he says, I, was, I, I would have been here sooner, but I had to have, have this fight with, the, um, uh, I want to say, the prince of Persia um, that was in there. So we know there's, there's war that goes on spiritually, and it manifests itself physically. And again, this is coming out. These things that Lynn is pointing out, men just don't get this out of their own head. They're being given this stuff. This is doctrines of demons because God tells us in Deuteronomy 6, we, it, the jurisdiction is the home. We are to teach our own children and we're to, com, we're to give, remind them of the commandments of God so that they don't forget God so that he doesn't forget them. And it, it'll be a tremendous blessing. Look, the illiteracy rate in America at its, at its founding was 90% and above, okay? And even in the rural areas. And what was the major thing that was there? The reading of the Bible at the breakfast table, at the dinner table. That was the main cause of literacy within the United States. Go back and do your homework. See it in your history. It's there. And yet that's the one thing that we can't have any part uh, within anything in our society is to come with the Bible. Well, then we're running out of time here. What I want to do is give you a chance. Tell people a little bit uh, about where they can find you, and um, we'll close out the show with that. Okay. You can find me on my blog. It's commoncordiva.com. You can find me on Facebook under U.S. Parent Call to Action or Common Core Diva. Twitter is at Common Core Diva. I'm also on USA.life, MeWe, and LocalActivist.org. You can also find me on Roku uh, with the, uh, let's see, it is the Breaking News Journal Network, and I have a channel there that's Common Core Diva, so you can support me there as well. And uh, if you like what I do and you want me to come speak, either virtually or in person when things are, you know, deemed safe enough, uh, there's a donate button on my CommonCoreDiva.com page. All right. And Lynn, we really appreciate all your efforts, all the study and work that you do to bring to the people so they can act, not so they can be scared, but so they can act on it. Folks, use the information and act on it. Call your senators, call your representatives, call your local uh, representatives and tell them they cannot support this stuff. It's unconstitutional. It's lawless. 23 hours. We'll see ya.